0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. In our last show, we checked in with Chuck Hazzy of Leisure Outdoor Adventures, got his thoughts on what's happening on Leach. Today, we hear from Carl Peterson. He's the Large Lake Specialist out of the Walker Area Fisheries Office, and he spends all his time making sure things are as good as possible on Leach. We'll get his thoughts on what's happening on Leech. plus our Lake of the Week from the Langby area. It's all coming up next. i got my fishing pool
1: keys, tackle box in my hand. Going to cast a few
0: lines with my toes in the sand. Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man. But the wife, she just don't understand. I love walleye and if you don't like you can kiss my four stroke right in the back cause the at thought of me when I'm fishing country. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today, Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the North woods and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji, giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University. It's the right fit for you. Visit BemidjiState.edu.
2: Hi, this is Toby cavalli of Leisure Outdoor Adventures. Welcome to Fishing Paul Bunyan Country.
0: Well, today we are doing one of our spotlights. There's a few key lakes in Paul Bunyan Country we like to check on every year, and certainly Leech Lake is one of those. Their large lake specialist is Carl Peterson. He's back on the show today. Carl, welcome back. Hey, thanks, Kev. How many years have you been the large lake specialist for
2: Leach? Oh, I, I took over the large lake position from Matt Ward in 2016. I started here in the Walker office in, in 2012, so it's been whatever, I guess... And Walker for 11 years now, large lake for, for five, I think it is, four, five, six, seven, I guess. So seven years of taking a very, very
0: close look at Leech Lake. Uh, and certainly, um, you know, we're watching a number of things on that lake. What are some of the key things you're watching, and what have you seen change over the last seven years?
2: Well... We're watching about everything. What's what interesting on what we're doing on leeches, is we're starting to look at a lot more of the food chain. So not just you know going out and pulling nets for for uh, walleyes in the fall. We're starting to dig into a little bit more you know everything from the algae that's out there, the zooplankton, so the whole food chain. So we'll sample. You know, I'll, I'll just take you through the whole year basically. Is mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll start out in the spring. We'll start. We'll sample in May for the zooplankton that are out there. The uh, you know, little teeny tiny things that you can't hardly see, that the fish like, the small fish like to eat, and the bigger fish like to eat those, and, and on up. But then we're also looking at, at uh, the, with uh the, an association with the Leech Lake Association. We started doing some algae sampling as well. So, you know, the green plants, the little teeny green plants that are floating around out in the water column. So the, basically the base of the food chain that's out there, to see how that's changing. Especially since you know, like you said here we we're seeing some changes on the lake, we had zebra mussels come in, oh, it's been five years now that we've we've seen them, and it's just in the last two years that they've really really started to explode. you know' not seeing in certain spots we're seeing uh, quite a few on the docks and and on the rocks and things like that, but it's not like you know Malax where everything's covered just yet, but you know things are those things are coming, so we want to get that base of that food chain and uh take a look at that as we track tracked through this zebra mussel infestations. I'm assuming
0: that uh, those zebra mussels, uh, based on what I know about what zebra mussels do, they they could affect that bottom level of the food chain quite a bit.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, we've, what we've seen in other lakes is it takes the, you know, those algae and those zooplankton to live out in the middle of the lake, and it uh, takes a lot of that food chain that's, we call it, pelagic, you know, basically floating out in the middle, and it filters that out, and it takes all that energy and puts it on the bottom of the lake, you know, because those zebra mussels filter on the bottom, and they, they excrete their waste on the bottom, so all that energy kind of ends up, instead of floating throughout the lake, it uh, it ends up more on the benthose, or the bottom of the lake, mm-hmm. and in the shallows as well, so...
0: Um, and, and obviously, uh, one of the things that you'll see with AIS and particularly with the zebra mussels is that uh, that clarity of water is going to change quite a
2: bit, if it hasn't already. Yeah, we've seen a little bit of that. But, you know, I, I can't put a, a scientific number on how much it's changed for us. But, uh, you know, Walker Bay has always been fairly clear. So I don't know that uh, it's always been kind of more of a, a a low light bite to start with. The main lake, that's that definitely... Um, Less water clarity out there, but as we said, the zebra mussel's kind of clear things up. That, that might turn more into a, a daytime bite as a into a more of a nighttime bite. I know that uh, I'm sure you guys have uh, have done all
0: kinds of studies and learned from places where zebra mussel have been a lot longer than they've been here. What What are the stories you've heard? What are the things you're preparing for?
2: You know what we're preparing for is just. Is, you know, how is that food chain, food change going to be affected and how are things going to change on the lake? So, you know, are those, are the small fish going to be able to survive, small walleyes and small perch and everything going to survive into bigger fish? And we've seen kind of a mix throughout the state. You know, some lakes have been really affected by it and, you know, we've got lakes like Cass Lake that, uh, they've got great walleyes and really the perch growth has exploded on Cass Lake. So, some encouraging signs for that and they've had zebra mussels a little bit longer than us, so we're crossing our fingers that uh that's what we see on leech Lake, but I guess time will tell. So uh
0: as far as the status of the various fisheries, how is everything
2: looking? Things are looking real good. We had a we had an interesting sampling year in twenty twenty two what, uh, what we, what unleashed what we did a couple of years ago, well it's been quite a few years now, I guess, we, uh, we started to see some changes back in 2005, 2006, where the, the population of the walleyes really kind of dropped. So they convened a, a citizen input group committee, you know, it's a group of concerned citizens and tribal represent, representation and uh, university and resorts and businesses and uh, statewide angler groups, and things like that, to, you know, so we can discuss our results with that group and kind of, you know, what do we think is going on, what are you guys seeing, what's going on in the lake, and when you're angling out there, and here's what we're seeing in our samples. We kind of, you know, we get input for them on the lake, and then we, we manage it based on what we're seeing, what they're seeing, and, and try to work together in those things. So what uh, what we're seeing on the lake this last year, the, the catches, we had really weird water temperatures, like you know, like uh, the, the warm July temperatures extended on into September. So normally what we try to do is we try to set Labor Day. Our first gill net sets are in the fall, starting usually on Labor Day and going those two weeks after. And the goal is to have 70-degree t- water temps and dropping so those fish are starting to move again. In order for us to catch them in the gear, we need them moving around. And uh we had in September, you know, we had 70 degrees, 80 degrees, and calm, maybe not 80s, but, you know, 70s and calm every day for the first week of sampling, actually first week and a half. And then it started dropping after that. So the walleye catch rates, they were still within our management objectives. On leach, we want 7 to 10 walleyes per gill net as our objective. And uh it was at the bottom end of that. It was 7.2 for for 2022. But what we what we've done with that input group and uh, is use what we call a three year running average, so it it kind of you know those peaks and valleys it kind of evens those out. Mm-hmm. If it was a bad sampling year or a really really good sampling year, like you maybe have a, a really super strong year class coming through, so you know you don't you don't make rash decisions. So that's what we're going to look at. You know is that is that is that drop a trend, or is it uh, just a, a sampling issue? So. Okay. But, you know, the management objectives were with the, you know, the walleyes, the pike, the perch. We're still within all our, all our managed objectives from our, our management plan. So things are looking good. We had really good reports um, from the perch catches this winter on the, on the lake. There's, there's a number of resorts that haven't plowed roads out in the past. And it was, I don't know if you want to call it the perfect storm, but it was a, it was a really good storm for the resorts because people had trouble accessing the lake in the winter because we had so much snow but the resorts thankfully we had some resorts it'll plow some some really good roads out there so we had a we had more winter pressure than we have in the past because they just couldn't get out on other lakes but we heard you know decent reports of walleyes and some real good anecdotal reports of some bigger perch being caught out on lake as well all right those
0: are those are good things to hear that is for certain Obviously that's that's what we're wanting on lakes like Leech. One of the other things of course that you have are uh, incredible uh, bass numbers and uh, and of course a growing and what from what I'm hearing one of the best uh, smallmouth populations certainly in this area. Uh I'm assuming that's
2: all well and good right now. Yeah, we did uh, actually every 4 years on the lake we're doing a uh, smallmouth, not smallmouth. We're doing a bluegill, black crappie and largemouth bass survey as well. Um, we, we're doing electrofishing for that. So in the spring, we'll go out with our shot boat, and we've got set sites that we do every four years, and we'll shock those fish, and we'll scoop up the bluegills and black crappies and largemouth, and we'll compare it to the previous catch year. So we did that in the spring of 2022. We uh, It'd be nice if we could do it for smallmouth, but the problem with those is we try to hit the fish when they're coming in to spawn, you know, those bluegills and, and bass and crappies are spawning up shallow. The smallmouth are a little bit farther out, so they're not sampled as effectively with the shocking gear. But just looking at our creel reports from, you know, the last creel we had on night in uh, leech was in 2019. You know, I think, oh, we caught something like, we reported catch of, like, you know, something like 3,500 smallmouth, where if you look back in, you know, 1996, they reported zero smallmouth caught in, like, and the same thing, we're, you know, we're hearing some of those rock humps out on leach where the guys are out bouncing jigs for walleyes, and all of a sudden they stumble into a, in a big pile of smallmouth, and they're just, just tickled pink. So definitely with this water quality, clarity coming up, um, you know, we've got rusty crayfish on the lake, which is an invasive species, but... uh those smallmouths, are they're they're uh, they're out there sight feeders so they're sight feeding on those rusty crayfish and we're anticipating that the smallmouth numbers are just going to continue to increase and they, you know it's set up for some pretty good sizes out there and well we've seen some decent ones so
0: Speaking of fish of size, um, you are, of course, the place where we get all the muskies now. Everybody wants the Leech Lake strain of muskies. And certainly we've been hearing lots of reports of a lot of good-sized fish over the years. Um, did that continue this past season?
2: Yeah, same thing. We, uh, we've we been working with the muskie tournaments on the lake to the Donsportage Bay and the Frank Schneider Tournament for the past, oh, I suppose that's been... They started that probably just before I took over those large lake specialists. So, so we'll work with the anglers from those tournaments to help us track, you know, what they're catching out there. And they're, they've been really helpful. So, you know, muskies are hard to get our hands on, as far, especially as far as sampling goes. But, uh, last year we saw fish, oh, I don't think that between 20 to a little bit over 50 inches. And in the catch rates were pretty similar. So that's, you know, the nice thing that we also see in those, those creel reports from those muskie anglers is, we see a, a wide range of fish. You know, small fish to medium fish to the to the monsters. So if it's the, you know, right now things are still looking good for muskies in the lake. It, it's
0: it sounds like uh, everything's coming up roses on Leech Lake as far as fish populations go right now.
2: Uh, I, I've got to say the biologists prior to me and the weather and the anglers and everything kind of set my me up for a, a pretty easy job right now so makes you nervous right? but, you know not to say that we're we're not concerned about some things for sure you know we've we uh prior to this year like the past uh, couple of years 21 was a really really strong year class for leash we had a whole bunch of small fish a bunch of small walleyes that came in. It was it was just a great hatch for that year, and it was uh, we had warm water temps all the way into October. So, the bigger the younger year walleye is going into the winter, the better they are able to survive. So, that 2021 year class is just a, a tremendous year class, which is nice that it can replace you know the fish coming up behind it. So, but you know speaking of concerning, the 2020. 2 year class wasn't as good like we didn't have a we didn't pull off a very strong spawn last year but we've got so far it's been every other year so 2019 has been really strong 2020 was a little bit weaker 2021 was tremendous so as long as those fish continue to survive we uh you know at least in the next couple of years so those 19 fish are around, you know, 14, 15, 16 inches right now. So they should be some some decent ones for, for harvest. And the 21 fish are, you know, coming into this spring about 9, 10 inches. So with a couple of years for those, to, and they'll be able to harvest those as well. So one
0: of the uh, the hot new fish that everybody's fallen in love with the last few years is the eel pout, which leach has been celebrating for a long, long time. Now it is a sport fish. Um, what are you seeing? Are you seeing increased people going after uh,
2: uh, a vealbout or not so much? Yeah, a fair amount. You know, the one thing on, on leach is, since they, we haven't had the vealbout festival for a couple of years, we've debated that quite a bit in the office here about that. Is the pressure increased or, or decreased? You know, the, the sports fishermen, uh, I guess, pressure seems like it's increased, especially that late winter fishery mm-hmm. that we've seen. But you know, is it actually creating a lot more pressure on it? Considered we don't have ten thousand people shooting after them just for one weekend. So, but uh, yeah, it's definitely become we're getting more phone calls for it. Uh, you know about uh, eel pout fishing. We actually did a webinar. Me and one of the other guys, Jody Dirks, in our office, did a webinar which you can find on the DNR website. Too. We talked about you know how to fish for them, where to find them. We uh, even talked about you know how what's a good way to to, to prepare them for for eating because they're Pretty decent eating fish. So, we uh, we have had some just real basic conversations with some of our research staff to you know since we are becoming more popular, uh, how are we going to you know is there anything we can do to to get some numbers on these things to see what's out there and how well they're doing. Okay. It, uh Well, we did have fuel pound fest and we did collect some information off of them some sex maturity lengths and weights. So we've looked at a little bit of that just to you know, but that's just a couple of years worth of data. So
0: again we we now have the eel pout as a sport fish in Minnesota. Uh, what does that mean at this point, and what will that mean in a couple more years?
2: Well, in a couple more years, what they're looking to do is um, you know since it is becoming more popular, they wanted to get ahead of that a little bit, you know especially if, if, if more and more and more people realize how great of a fish it is. So the dilemma is you know with something that we have limited data, how do we decide? you know, what kind of harvest limits you put on those and uh, what you know, seasons, et cetera like that. So you'll be seeing coming out here, I don't know if it's gonna be this year or in the next year, they're looking at uh, there'll be a public input process, you know, asking the asking the folks in the state, um, you know, what do you think the regulation should be, what do you think the size if there should be a size limit or a bag limit or things like that, so there'll definitely be you'll be seeing a lot more of that come out here shortly as that gets more and more developed and we work through that that process. Is there any emerging consensus
0: at this point?
2: Um, the, I think the merging consensus is at least you know the initial proposal right now they've talked about is a, potentially for a four bag uh, a four bag limit on eel pallet for the state. So we'll see if if that's palatable. It seems like you know a decent place to start. So we'll see where that where that goes. Okay. Now um,
0: I'm assuming that the there will be a limited season as well. It's, or is it going to be? I mean, I know nobody ever really catches them much in the in the summertime. So I'm assuming it would be more of a winter season.
2: Right. Yeah. I don't know that. You know. Again, that's so early in the process that uh, in, and outside of. I don't know if it's not necessarily outside of my pay grade, but a little (laughs) bit of, uh, you know, what that, what the season, if there would be a season. Right now, I'm assuming things are, you know, probably not be a season on them right now because, like you said, in in the summertime, you just, nobody's catching them. So it's, it's mostly that, you know, that winter season and then that that late winter season. So you, you, you'd hate to limit them that late winter season when, when people are catching them, but that's also, you know, that's when they're spawning. So, we don't know how much disturbance during that spawn, that spawning season for burbot is really going to eel pallet is going to affect them. But you know, it's pretty amazing. You see those videos, and you know, you see it on your your finder when you're out fishing for them. You just get these huge balls of uh, eel pallet coming up there, and they just they just you know couple of females and males all around and if you haven't seen that on the YouTubes or whatever even on that webinar that we did showed some examples of that Linder Media folks and gave us some some pretty good videos to show in that in that uh, in our webinar that it, it's pretty pretty amazing they're spawning they're spawning activities but but yeah you can certainly put a herd on it if you if you decide to harvest a bunch of those fish while they're spawning Carl Peterson is the Large Lake Specialist out of the Walker
0: Area Fisheries Office. We are talking Leech Lake, and we've got a lot more to cover about that beautiful body of water next.
1: I'm Kevin Cochran of Kevin Cochran's Musky Guide Service, and I catch fish bigger than Kev Jackson on a daily basis.
0: Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, musky, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State
1: Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. I'm Will Pampoos
0: and Paul Bunyan Country outdoors because Pat Jackson needs all the help he can get. Leech Lake is our topic today. The large lake specialist out of the Walker Area Fisheries Office, Carl Peterson, joining us to give us the preview of this amazing body of water. Let's talk a little bit about another fish that uh, doesn't get a lot of love, but uh, has been a sport fish for many years, and that's Northern Pike. Uh, how are the Northern Pike on leech and how many people actually fish for you know, there's a fair
2: amount of people that
0: fish for it. It's,
2: it's not, it's not a ton. You know, I think on Leech Lake, the last Creel survey was, you know, or the, uh, um the targeting anglers, you know, I think it was 75, around 75% for walleyes, obviously. And then, uh, uh, northern fishermen, sometimes the northern fishermen get lumped in with, with, uh, musky fishermen. So that was around 8 to 10%. We're specifically targeting, so, you know, muskies, or we're targeting northerns, or we're targeting muskies and northerns. So, but uh, you know, leech isn't a real. It's not like you get the, a ton of monsters like you do on maybe some of the other lakes. So, you know, like a lake of the woods. So it's not maybe not a destination
1: mm-hmm.
2: lake for for northerns. You, you know, you can get decent numbers, but you're not going to get you're not going to get your 45s or 44s or whatever. So, but. Uh, It's real consistent. The catch rates for northerns on Leech Lake are real consistent. We've we've always been right around that four to six uh, northerns per gill in that. So, you know, decent ones out there. Now with the 10 bag out there, it's more of a, you know, that's a nice thing for the resort folks. If they want to come up and they want to put some meat in the freezer, it's a decent one for that. They can get their, you know, they can get their 20s and 21s to fill out that 10 bag and maybe a couple overs. So,
0: Another two fish that that uh, you know are very popular fish on a lot of lakes. I don't hear much about them on Leech, but then when I do hear, I always hear good reports, and that's crappies
2: and and bluegills. Yeah, that's that's what's uh, that's what's great about leach like, that that I really really enjoy about it is you know. You, it's just you've got everything out here. You know, you can fish for eel pal. You can fish for these giant muskies, and you got pike, or, you know, you can fish these shallow, small bays that we have for bluegills and crappies, and that's why people don't talk about them a whole lot because, well, I shouldn't talk about it right now. But. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we, we've, we've got some really good crappie and bluegill fishing on the lake. The, uh, some of the smaller bays that we have, especially for the bluegills, we do get winter kills every couple of years, but, uh, they recover pretty quickly. So I think the last, at least partial winter kill we saw was in, I think it was the 19 winter, but, uh, we were out shocking, you know, in 2022 and saw some pretty decent ones out there. And in 2021 with that, you know, the, the input group that we have on the lake, there was some, some definitely strong interest on that because for implementing the the quality sunfish regulations on the lake so in 2021 we implemented the the bluegill five bag and the crappie fat five bag on the lake because we were definitely seeing you know some of the folks that were were going out there and like i said for the eel pout you, you know you go out there when they're spawning and you can really put a herd on them so so the uh so there is a five bag on leech and for the bluegills and crappies both but there's some there's some big ones out there and some some decent numbers if you can find them so one
0: of the things that i've been well i just talked to um uh, pat brown up at red lake was about the restoration mm-hmm. of sturgeon on red lake i know there's a lot of waters in the red lake or red river basin that they're they're trying to do uh, restoration i don't know if they've ever been sturgeon on leach or if there would uh, if that's a possibility.
2: Well, I suppose it's a possibility. <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> I, I don't know if they're they historically historically were um, sturgeon in in Leech Lake. I don't know that they're you know it uh, with the Mississippi River going through here. I don't know that they were they're in here. So it's more of a Red River kind of issue. So
0: all right, so so there hasn't been great demand for that yet.
2: No, no, <laughs> we're not talking about that over here
0: yet. So. <laughs> um, we we talked a lot about you know the AIS that are in there. I know there have been plant based AIS issues, or that you guys have been watching them to see if there's been any expansion. Has that uh, been controlled more or less?
2: Yeah, that's you know we've got Eurasian foil. That, that that one's kind of expanding a bit, but uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't anchor real well, so the wind gets blowing. And that kinda of uproots it. I know Sucker Bay, I was talking to the folks up at the the resort up in the north end of Sucker Bay and they were having some issues when they get wind from the south and it blows into their harbor there and closes you know, causes things up. And I I know that the, uh, the public access there in the north end of Sucker Bay, you can get some pretty good and water mill foil, you know, pushing in there if you get a south wind. Uh, the other thing in the lake that the, uh, the most recent, it's, it's not necessarily a plant, it's more of an algae, a macro algae, is that starry stonewort. Mm-hmm. So they found that a couple of years ago in a harbor. And it, it was, so far it's been contained just outside of that harbor and, uh, the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe and, uh, in cooperation with the DNR and Cass County, they're doing some, some, uh, some control on that one. To, They've got a, a a boat, you know, like one of these big pontoon boats, they call it a dash system, diver assisted suction harvest, I believe it stands for. So they're actually going out there and actively removing it from the lake. But uh and gonna do some studies on that to see how much effect that has, if they can actually get it out of the lake or, you know, it's once it's in, it's pretty hard to to control it, and the problem is it's it's in one of the larger wild rice beds in the lake. So we don't know right now if if that affects the wild rice. You know, if it if it kind of chokes it out, or or if it can live. You know, in between the, the spaces where the wild rice is. So that's the thing. The one thing that the tribe is definitely looking at. The other thing that we've got a, the, our plant folks in cooperation again with the Leech Lake Band and the Leech Lake Tribal College is they're looking at that uh, that the stone warts there's a bunch of native stoneworts, there's dozens of them in the state, and that, you know, it's that one starry stonewort that is the the invasive that's the problem, so they're actually doing a study on leech and actually throughout the entire state, on trying to see what there is for stoneworts out there, you know, native beneficial ones, because the muskgrass like you know that cara that we've got on Leeds lake and a bunch of the lakes around here that's so so important for musky spawning and you know and other fish hiding in it and especially perch and things like that how much if that starry stonewort starts to expand is it going to affect those those native stoneworts like the cara so they're uh they're working on it they're doing a study on that they had the first year of it last year and it'll continue this year
0: so, so you mentioned wild rice, and I know you're, you're a large lake specialist, but you're on the fisheries side. So do you, I mean, is that a concern of you as part of a large lake specialist, or is that a different department? Do you work together on maybe some issues that might involve wild rice? How does that work?
2: Yeah, a little bit of both. You know, the, the tribal folks that that help manage the lake, they they look more at the rice than we do. But we did do, in the past couple of years, a, it's called a floating and emergent uh, mapping project on the lake. So we, we go, you know, we've got a, a GPS on the boat and it's enabled with this mapping software that includes the different types of floating and emergent uh, vegetation that's out there. So, floating emergent vegetation, anything that floats on the surface or pops up out of the, out of the top, like for example, wild rice, uh, bull Lily pads, those kind of vegetation. So, basically, what we did, they 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 did this survey back in 2008 and 2009 on the lake, and then we just redid what they did to see how much things have changed in the ten years, and just kind of compare and and look at those. And it's pretty amazing comparing the data. You know, like you actually go out and each one of those, like a bull rest bed, you drive around the outside of it and and make a GPS polygon of it, and and put it into ArcMap, and you can compare. You know, percent acreages, how much acres of bullrust did we have back in 2009 and how much do we have in 2021? And they, they matched up right now, knock on wood, pretty amazingly similar. So, you know, you can see the polygon from 2009 matches almost up, almost exactly with the polygon from, from 2020 or 2021, whenever we did that specific one. The, uh, the concern is, you know, like some of these bull bullrust beds, that if you lose them, it's it's, they don't naturally come back, and the same thing with some of this wild rice. Wild rice fluctuates a bit more, depending on water levels. You know, you might, if you have higher water or lower water, you know, it determines how much wild rice you'll have production for that year. Or so, but the the beds are basically, for the most part, in the same spots. The one thing we did we have seen a little bit more is a little bit more cattails coming in, and a teeny bit. You know, it's like point zero one percent. Uh, you know like lily pads coming in and sometimes those lily pads will choke out those wild rice pads so that's one thing we're definitely gonna we'll keep a close look on in cooperation with with the tribal interests as well carl we talked a lot
0: about different things you're watching different things you you know you're you're preparing for that could be an issue down the road is there anything right now that is a concern or crisis on leech lake
2: Definitely not a crisis, no, not at all. Concern? Uh, the, you know, we had consistent year classes of fish, those young years, you know, young year fish, those young year walleye that were producing every year. Uh, now we've got it every other year, which is still great. You know, a lot of natural systems, most natural systems, that's kind of one of what you want. You want that fluctuation. So a really strong year class. And then a weaker year class and the strong one and those strong ones carry you through and and give some predator relief to the prey base Mm -hmm. so the problem is you know if it's like the last like in 2022 where we had a low year class we didn't produce a bunch of small fish last year if that occurs you know for another year or the year after then we'll have to look at doing you know some different management so those are concerns we have but right now it's a a concern in the back of my mind and you know the the resorts in the area or, or and other folks are definitely looking at that and we're tracking that for sure and luckily we've got the tools nowadays that uh we can hopefully you know react to that fairly quickly
0: all right and as we always wrap it up uh we ask uh professor carl to give uh, leech lake its grade for the year
2: oh it's such a tough one kevin i this question uh, cuz you know we we look at leech and like I said earlier, you've got you've got so many different opportunities to fish everything, the muskies and the bass and the and the pike and the walleye's and everything. So I always want to give it you know, an A minus because if you know, if you can't find the walleye's today you can go out and maybe find some bluegills or whatever, but uh the star stone work, the zebra mussels, I guess just with that coming in, maybe I'll I'll bump it to a high D plus to see how those things are going to change and hopefully they won't affect the fishery too much but i guess what what did tony kenney give uh red lake uh, i haven't talked to him yet all right well don't tell him what i said for leech so we'll give we'll give leech a, a b plus a minus okay that sounds good
0: all right carl peterson is the large lake specialist out of the uh, uh, walker area office his specialty of course is leech lake carl as always great to talk to you thanks for taking the time today All right, sure, appreciate it, Kevin. Coming up next, we go to the west side of Paul Bunyan Country for our Lake of the Week. This is Mandy here, doing my part to keep Kev Jackson's
1: ratings up on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors.
0: If you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. This is Bro reminding you, that the coolest people on fishing pole bunny country.
2: Lake of the weekday, lake of the weekday, lake of
0: the weekday, holy cow. It is Lake of the Weekday, and we are checking in with the Detroit Lakes Area Fisheries Supervisor, Nathan Olson. Uh, Nathan, you're, you're headquartered out of DL, but you guys cover a lot of area.
1: Yeah, we have uh, five or six counties, you know, heading all the way up to Polk County, and Uh, Most of our lakes are are kind of in that Becker and Manoeman, but um, Polk County does have a a fair share of those lakes as well.
0: And uh, the lake we're talking about today uh, is in Manoeman County, but really is uh, not that far from uh, the Bemidji area, uh, just south of Langby Island Lake. And that's a lake, uh, Nathan, I think we've talked about it in the past. It's been a number of years, but it just kind of sits down there uh, and minds its own business. But, boy, is it a nice, productive lake.
1: Yeah, I think... uh... I think a lot of people are probably, you know, hitting it up for black crappies, especially in the in the wintertime, you know. But it does have a, a mixed bag of other opportunities for anglers to, to go out there and, and try to, you know, put together a nice mess of fish if they're looking for some other species, too.
0: It, it's not a massive lake, uh, 616 acres, but there's, there's a lot of uh, structure in that lake. Um, a couple of little points here and there. And uh, like you noted, a number of species, including, you know, a solid number of walleyes at very good average sizes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean we uh the last time we surveyed the lake was in twenty twenty, um uh, so not too long ago, you know, but the the fish were were pretty big, you know, with an average length of nineteen inches. You know, we did see some fish up into twenty eight uh twenty eight inches. So, you know, there's uh there's some some hefty fish there to be caught, that's for sure.
0: It looks like you've got plenty of northerns as well, and again, uh, considering the the volume of northerns in there, a decent average size. Usually, you get a lot of northerns in a lake; they're hammer handles. But this is a nearly three pound average.
1: Yeah, I mean, when uh, you know the abundance isn't isn't too bad, especially compared to some other lakes. You know that we've you know we definitely see worse worse populations. Um, But in 2020, you know we there's 35 percent of the fish that we measured. Uh, Where twenty four inches or longer, you know, and that's that's a pretty good statistics for for a lake like that.
0: Um, I do see there's some largemouth bass. Is it a good population or kind of a secondary population?
1: Uh, I would definitely say probably secondary. Um, you know, there are some some other different ways to to sample largemouth, and unfortunately, we haven't been able to to get up there and do a ton of it. But uh, just from the netting that we do do. Uh, it didn't seem like there was there's a whole lot of, of abundance there. But uh, definitely opportunities I'm sure for people to to probably catch a, a largemouth bass or two here or there when they're out there fishing.
0: For those who don't know uh where Island Lake is, kinda of give us a rundown based at uh, starting point Bemidji, how do we get to Island Lake?
1: Basically you're just you're just running down uh highway two, you know, to the to the west until you hit Ling Bay and then just coming straight south, um on county road four there, so and then the access there is just um, on the east side of the lake. Uh, you shouldn't miss the miss the sign, but it's on one hundred thirtieth thirty fifth Street. Um, hopefully, there should be one of those brown public access signs, kind of directing people to to dive off of County Road Four there and head back to the west uh, to hit the lake.
0: Does it get a lot of pressure?
1: Uh, I think in the I think in the in the winter it's it's kind of one of those go to spots, um, mainly because. There's, there seems to be a pretty good contingent of people that are always plowing a road or trying to keep the access <laughs> open, you know. So I think it it provides a really good opportunity uh, for you know, especially like a year this year, you know, where you, you really couldn't go anywhere unless you had a plowed road. Um, I think that opens up a lot of opportunity for people, especially in the winter time.
0: Okay. is it a developed lake a, out of the way? How does how does it feel uh, when you're out probably there?
1: Probably a little bit of both, Kevin, on that one. Um, it seems like a lot of the development is is more. Um, you know, in the south end of the lake. Uh, but in that north, kind of northeast corner, it's almost all undeveloped up in that area. So um, I think people should be able to find a, a pretty good mix of both when they're out there fishing.
0: And, again, lots of different species to go for. What tends to be the most popular species?
1: It's usually the the black crappie and walleye. So uh, I think uh, the bluegills, you know, they're the... They're not bad. It's just that uh, most of the fish that we saw were were like eight and a half inches and under, you know. So, um, you know, if you're you're looking to put together a nice mess of fish around seven and a half to eight inches, I think you can do that on on this lake. Um, But if you're looking for sort of that trophy bluegill, then you you probably might want to fish somewhere else.
0: Okay. Now, um, when we get to the access, is there plenty of parking there? Um, It's a concrete access, I see, so that's helpful.
1: Yeah, it's it's not too bad. There's, uh, I guess, it all depends on how people park, of course, <laughs> um, because you know it's not it's not a paved parking area. It's just a grass area. So, um, if you got someone that kind of parks goofy, that might limit a little bit of the of the parking space. But um, definitely has a, a decent spot, you know, for for at least five rigs to be parked there.
0: Is it uh, all a natural uh, population, or do you guys do some stocking over there?
1: No, it's pretty much mostly maintained by stocking. Um, And so we stock fingerlings in in the odd-numbered years in the lake. And actually, uh, White Earth Natural Resources Department has been helping us do some stocking there as well for for the walleye fingerlings. So we've got a pretty good cooperative um, kind of stocking program working with the tribe uh, to help keep that lake in good shape.
0: Okay, you know there's a, there's a number of lakes in that area, but there there's a lot of those lakes, you know, you, you you I go to the map, I check them out. There's not much going on in them. That one's a little bit different. Plenty going on.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, really productive um you know, got a lot of uh, different species for people to to you know, if one thing isn't biting, I'm pretty sure you'll find something else that's that's willing to to take the bait. So, it's a it's a good option to keep in mind.
0: Any concerns AIS wise or otherwise on on uh, Island Lake? Not so far, nothing
1: that we've we've heard yet. Um, so you know, cross our fingers that that it stays that way.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean that's a that's a hard battle. Um, there are a number of lakes, still the majority that haven't been hit by AIS, but you know we keep hearing it, and then we kind of. Uh, kind of feel defeated sometimes, but uh, that's the thing to remember is it's still a majority of water that does not have AIS on it.
1: Oh, yeah, and there's there's still things, you know, some pretty simple things people can do to make sure that uh, they're not being part of the problem either, you know, just making sure you're not moving water around and, and doing the basic cleaning of your trailer. You know, a lot of times it's plants, and, you know, like zebra mussels can even be attached to plants, you know, so just trying, trying to pull those plants off the trailer before you go somewhere else can is a big step to help.
0: As um, far as I can tell, just from my, my, my quick reading on, on the lake, it doesn't appear, besides AIS, it doesn't appear that there are any other major concerns on the lake either. It just seems to be a lake that just plugs away.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of these, you know, you know, like you were saying, there's a lot of lakes out there. And it's just, I think, kind of gets lost in the shuffle of many other lakes and many opportunities that we have um, in the Detroit Lakes Management Area and even in the Bemidji Fisheries Area, you know. So it's... Uh, Unless you unless you're, have had a chance to get out there and you really like and have some good spots, um, there's probably other lakes that people are hitting up at certain times.
0: It's Island Lake, our Lake of the Week, south of Langby. I'm uh, and, uh, Nathan Olson from the Detroit Lakes Area Fisheries Office has the details. Nathan, thanks for the time today. Yep, no problem. Fishing for country.